Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Today, we conclude our series, The Abiding Christian, from John chapter 15. In this series, Jesus is giving His disciples some last-minute instructions before He goes to the cross. We all know that just before someone leaves, they give us essential instructions. This is no exception. Jesus has loved them and wants them to continue to experience His love when He's gone. But that will require something on their part and yours as well. Let's get ready for Jesus to change our lives. Here's Pastor Jim in the conclusion of this series with the end of his message, Experiencing the Authentic Love of God. Some people today, and there's a lot of it around the church, in what we call hyper-grace teaching, teaches that it really doesn't matter how you live your life because God will forgive all your sins and God will give you the desires of your heart. No connection to the fact that we live our lives in response to God. No connection to the fact that the desires of our heart as followers of Jesus and as a result of studying his word is his desires become our desires. It's really just one big appeal to covetousness and, and doing what you would like to do. But the apostle Paul says that the grace of God, verse 12, teaching us that, Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That's what grace teaches us. Grace does not teach us, they call it greasy grace, that we do whatever we'd like. So it's so important for us to see that the effect of Christ's love for us and being filled with that love will dramatically change us, dramatically change us. The experience of the love of Jesus produces in us obedience that is joyful and not a painful burden. And if you're full of the love of God and the joy of God, if you don't know, you'll have to experience it for yourself obedience will actually become much easier. Now, there's still indwelling sin. There's still some things we're gonna have, we're gonna need to depend upon God for. And you say, I wish he would take it all away. I actually kinda don't. Because if the Lord took away all of our indwelling sin, what would you need him for? And so indwelling sin, although we don't like it, it still keeps us on our knees. It still keeps us repenting. It still keeps us coming back to God. But remember, we talked about this last week. First John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Why are they not burdensome? If we are filled with the love of God, if we are abiding in him. And, and what we receive in return for our obedience is the constant awareness of the Lord's approval. Remember we said in an earlier study, do you actually believe that God could be pleased with you? Simple little things. Simple little things. Students, you're tempted to cheat on a test and you want to go look at the paper next to you and the Lord says, keep your eye on your own paper. And you don't even get the grade that you wanted to get. Maybe get in trouble. Maybe get grounded. No video games. No cell phone. Ah! All right? Whatever. But the Lord's pleased. The Lord's pleased. 
We also, we get the constant awareness of the Lord's approval. We get the constant awareness when we're in, walking in obedience. We are getting the, we're getting the constant awareness of his presence and the constant awareness of his pleasure. Plus, we will sense our remaining in the love of Jesus similar in a way that Jesus himself remains in the Father's love. So heartfelt obedience, willing obedience to the word of God is a fruit of a changed life. It is, it is the evidence of becoming what the book of 2 Corinthians calls a new creation. It is the fruit of being converted, having a converted heart and having a new heart. You say, what does that look like? Well, we'll go to one of the Old Testament examples of that. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 through 21 the Lord speaking says, then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. God says, your heart is hard towards me, but when you put your trust in me, I'm gonna take that hard heart out and I'm gonna give you a new heart, one that is soft towards me. So, so when you sin, you will become aware of it. Verse 20, that they may, what? Do what they want? No, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But for those, as for those whose hearts follow the desire of their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense, that word means to repay, their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. So a lot of the people of God in Israel would have said, well, we're God's people. God's like, you just can't do what you want. He says the same thing to people. You can say, well, I'm Christian. God's like, no, no, no. I want you to have a soft heart towards me. I'm willing to give you a soft heart towards me. But if you don't want to live the way I'm asking you to and you don't care about it, that is an indication to you that you have not been converted, that you're not really a follower of Jesus, that that you have a hard heart towards God. Now, some of you are saying, this is really hard, Pastor Jim. Jesus told the Pharisees in John's gospel, I'm telling you these things so you could be saved. That's why, that's why Jesus tells us these things, so we know the truth. Now, some of you might be sitting there right now going like, Pastor Jim, are you saying that abiding or remaining in Jesus is conditional upon our obeying Jesus? I mean, is that, what you're, I mean, is that really what you're saying? No, I am not. Jesus is saying it. I'm not saying it. He's saying that's how you're going to know you're abiding in me. If you, if you obey me, then you can know that you are abiding in me. Now you say, but I can't keep his commandments perfectly. Amen. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen out there? That's why you and I need a savior. That's why you and I need to cry out to the Lord Jesus to save us. You see, the good news is, is when you turn to God and put your trust in Jesus, God credits you with Jesus' perfection. He credits you with Jesus' perfect life. You have the forgiveness of sins, and you are pardoned for all of your failures. Plus, once again, this is key. Obedience with God's help is how you and I stay in that place 
of the experience of God pouring out his divine love on us. Please, loved ones, don't fall into the hyper-grace mentality that it doesn't matter how you live. Your attitude, my attitude, our effort demonstrate our love for God. It's not like we're trying to prove it to God. (laughs) It's really we're trying to prove it to ourselves. If we're openly and honest, open and honest with ourselves, we'll have to say, does my life really reflect that I love God. Don't fall into the trap either of that being a good person is how you get to heaven. Jesus taught that you must repent and believe first. Repent, turn, believe, put your trust in him. Those famous verses we come back to again and again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's first. That's what comes first. If you want to go to heaven, you are saved by grace through faith, not of your works, not by being a good person, not of what you do. Don't brag that you're a good person. What comes after that, after we put our trust in Jesus, that's what faith is, Secondly, verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The order is absolutely critical. Salvation, good works. If you, if you mess up the order, you're going to mess up everything. Jesus said this, John 8, 51, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Well, what was Jesus' word? I, I, want, I don't want to see death. What, what, was he, what was his word? I want to be risen from the dead like he was. I want to just close my eyes, absent from the body, present with the Lord, the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's what I want. What do I do? First step, faith. Repent. Believe. Put your trust in Jesus. Next step, obey his commands. Live a life that Christ would have for you to live and that he says he calls in Ephesians 2, good works that God prepared beforehand. See, part of our sinful nature is uh, we don't like to be told what to do. Have you noticed that about yourself? And and I tell you what, all the years in business and, and being in customer service of my own company really taught me a lot about that. I would pick up the phone. We used to use these things called telephones. We actually used them to call although I hear that's coming back in style, and, and the people would tell me what to do. And if I said no, they would take their business elsewhere. So that was really good for me. God was really training me uh, in that. So a lot of us don't like to be told what to do. Others of us will only do what we are told to do. Neither one of those are really, really good things, I would say. Whereas Jesus had no problem doing what the word of God said, and found it to be a blessing obeying the Lord because it's one of the ways that he experienced God's love and it will be the same for us too. You know, when you obey the Lord, that will help a lot of you rise up above what we often talk about here, the, the low level of guilt that so many of you live with 
Or some of you live with crushing guilt. And a lot of times, it's this perceived mediocrity of your Christian life because you always think that you're not doing enough. But what about the simple things that God asks for you to do that you're just faithful in? If you're abiding in Christ, you'll realize that those are the things that he actually wants for you to do. Jesus is teaching us that obeying the Lord will help us experience more of his love and will further help us to dig deeper and to discover more about his love. But again, this is not just talk. A lot of, a lot of talk about God's love. This is the actual experience of divine supernatural love. Listen to what Jesus prays a couple chapters later. John 17, he's praying to his father before the cross. John 17, verse 25 and 26, he says this. O righteous father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. Who are these? His followers. And I have declared to them, his followers, your name and will declare it. Look at this, what he says next about us. That the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. It, it's true from verse nine that there is a similarity of love between the Father and the Son and Jesus and his followers. If that's true, there must be a similarity in rewards too. Clearly, studying the life of Jesus Jesus saw obedience as the blessed life. Jesus saw obedience as the path to honor and glory. And I don't think there's any reason why we can't see obedience out of love for God as, as the blessed life and as a path for honor and glory. Because the, the reality is, the more Christ-like we are, the more we will experience the rewards of the Christian life on earth and in heaven. But it's not a mechanical doing. It comes out of abiding in his love. See, for a follower of Jesus, he said, my, life would, my love would be in them, my life would be in them. The life of Christ, through the person and power of the Spirit, is within us. And it is fueled by the power of the word of God, love from above, and the divine power of God. Now, we have to remember what we learned in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 10, 39. Jesus said, he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm just going to tell you from personal experience, the only way I have found that to be even remotely possible in my own life is to continue to gaze at Jesus, is to continue to preach the gospel to myself, is to continue to make a daily appearance at the foot of the cross and look up, look up at him and think, that should have been me. That should have been me. And to be so thankful for what he did for me. After we have received Christ, the Lord Jesus has work for us to do. Remember Ephesians 2.10, which God, works which God prepared beforehand. But we come to Jesus earlier, verse 2, 8, and 9, not of works, 
but by the grace of God. So we put it this way, theologians put it this way, way, we are saved unto good works that were created for us that we should do them. Now, that word should is interesting. Does it mean you ought to do that or that God has commanded you to do them? I think both are the case. Once again, it's an important concept to understand that few things will hinder you and keep you out of heaven like thinking you are saved by your own good works. You're not. We are saved by the work of Jesus Christ, which is life, death, resurrection, ascension into heaven. But just as deceptive is after you say that you've put your trust in Jesus, thinking that good works don't matter or how you live doesn't matter. Now, some of you might be saying right about now, I know all this. Pastor Jim, you have taught us this so many times. Okay, I get it. And the Bible teaches it over and over again. So here's the soul-searching question. Where do you know it? Notice I didn't say, how do you know it? I didn't say, how long did you, do you, have you known it? I said, where do you know it? Do you know it in your head? Or you, do you know it in your heart? And can you actually point to certain things in your life that you would say, it's actually demonstrated in my hands and my feet. It's demonstrated in my service. It's, genera- it's, it's demonstrated in my generosity that I, my whole way of thinking has changed. Church is not supposed to be a social club. There's a social aspect to it. A lot of people say, well, I go to that church because that's where all my friends go. Church is the place where we worship God. We're fed God's word. We hear from God. And then, and then we live it uh, life among one another and we go out to others in the world. See, some people just obey because they should. Some people are just really, really good. <laughs> my, my Pam, she's just really, really good. If you know her, she's just, she is just a good, she's a, what we'd call a good person. She's just really good. I, you know, and I, there's still sometimes it comes out, but, but I got to tell you, before I was a Christian, I was a total snake. <laughs> And, and so some people are just really good, and other people, others of us are anything but that. But that, in effect, doesn't even really matter. Do we do what we do for God because we're supposed to or because we're united to Christ? The difference is huge. One is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God, and the other is just living their life. You could say living in the flesh, but to walk in the power of the Spirit, according to the Word of God, according to the way God says to live your life, and that's why we study the Scriptures very, very carefully here at Calvary Chapel, is to be freed from the prison of self. You see, when you're freed from the prison of self, this is what happens. In your life, the commands of God are as meaningful to you as the promises of God. Now, some of you just went, what? What? I have, I have three Bible promise books on my, on my dresser, Pastor Jim. I have no commands of God books on my dresser. They don't sell. 
People don't want them. They will always want to know what God is going to do for me and not what God asks of me. But the person who is abiding, the person who's truly close to God, who has God's love just being poured into them, values the commands of God as much as the promises of God. Many, many Christians say they want God's will, and they should. But it's important to remember that God's will includes his commands. We often think well, God's will is who do I marry, where do I work, what do I, where do I live, that kind of stuff. But it also includes his commands, and that, according to Jesus, his commands and our obedience of them is, is a key to abiding. Why? Because it keeps the life of the vine flowing into the branches. And if we, by not even caring about obeying the commands of God, what do we do? We detach ourselves from the vine. We detach ourselves from the vine. I wonder how many self-proclaimed Christians have Jesus' teaching of the fruitful life have Jesus' teaching of the abiding life in their hearts, flowing through their veins. A few weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 1, talking about the blessed man. Psalm 1, 2 says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. We said that, that God's law, just don't think of it as rules, but think of it as God's wisdom, and God's power coming from above. You see, the commands of God represent the heart of God, which reveals the character of God and the love of God to you and to me. The more we obey his commands and confess when we fail, the more authentic our experience, the love of God will be. Plus, the more we will be like Jesus, the one who died on the cross for us and calls us to believe in him, to trust in him, to follow in his ways, to follow him and to serve him. But before you get all down on yourself, remember this. Fruit takes time to grow. Fruit takes time to grow. And it said at the beginning of the chapter that God was the vine dresser. God the Father was the vine dresser. He was, he was the gardener. That shows that he is involved in our lives. And so give yourself to him and allow God over time to make you more and more fruitful. Is Jesus our example? Yes. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, the scripture tells us, is also the power of God unto salvation. If you've never trusted in Jesus, you can today and know that you're going to heaven. And it's the way to a joy-filled and love-filled life. You know, there's an old expression that I came across this week, and I, and I hadn't read it in a long time, and I thought it's just so very true. Our problem, it goes like this, our problem is not that we ask too much from God, our problem is that we ask too little from him. Imagine a life. Imagine your life. 
Imagine a church where people obey the word of the Lord, not because they have to, but because it is an expression of their love for Jesus. What a blessing that person would be. What a blessing that church would be. That's real faith. That's real faith. As Jesus says in chapter 15, that's a branch and there's a progression of it that that bears fruit. And then Jesus says after that, there's more fruit. And after that, he says, there's much fruit. And as we saw in verse 11, such a life, Jesus says, you will have my joy and not just a little bit of it. You will have my joy to the fullest, to the full. May God take these things and make them a reality in our lives. And may we experience the authentic, not the phony, but the authentic love of God. And may that be the driving force in each of our lives, in the lives of our church and our online community. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.